Hi, everyone. It's Gracie, the Director of Educator Wellness for Empower Ed and co-host of the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. This episode of the podcast is about mindfulness, and it's an important one for me. I started practicing yoga and meditation when I was a teenager, but really intensified my practice when I went through a difficult bout of depression and anxiety in my mid-20s. I found that the skills I cultivated through mindfulness, conscious breathing, quieting my mind, detaching from negative thought patterns, helped me find important self-compassion and cultivate resilience. I really don't know who or where I would be in my life if it weren't for my mindfulness practices. So it's been a real gift to share these mindfulness practices with educators in DC schools over the past eight years. As we all know, educators are on the front line of so much stress and almost nobody needs the skills of mindfulness more than them. And it's also been a real challenge. We've struggled to find time in overloaded PD schedules, had yoga classes interrupted by school needs, and sometimes have experienced pushback from teachers who don't wanna participate. For something so important, it's felt pretty difficult to put it into action. For this, I was so happy for us to have an in-depth conversation about mindfulness in schools with two longtime DC's teachers and mindfulness practitioners, Parag Bhuva, a teacher at Washington Latin School and Vipassana meditation practitioner, and Dekebra Crow, who teaches mindfulness at Turner Elementary School and also teaches vinyasa flow and yin yoga. Our conversation is super real. We talk about the importance of mindfulness, how it actually works in a school setting, and where school leaders can go wrong when setting up a mindfulness program for staff and students. This conversation was really inspiring to me, and I hope it is for you too. As always, please let us know your comments, and thank you so much for listening. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to this edition of the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. We are super, super grateful to be here with two amazing guests to speak about mindfulness today, and I will let them introduce themselves. My name is Parag Bhuva. I have been teaching for 11 years. I teach at Washington Latin Public Charter School in D.C., and I teach world history, human geography, meditation, and African-American studies. And yeah, I guess a little bit of background about my my overall journey for, for meditation, I grew up with in a Indian American household. And so I grew up with a lot of like meditations kind of steeped in, in Indian culture. And so there wasn't necessarily a, a set like time or so when you were like meditating. So it was just in various aspects of, of culture or festivals or holidays and things like that. And when I became a teacher, I noticed that my students oftentimes struggled a lot with just reacting to situations. And, uh, and uh, so in my own journey for, for like trying to understand uh, what might be causing that, how I could be helping them become just more resilient. That was around this time in which mindfulness was starting to, to really like start having its moment with all the research that was coming out. And so then it was a, it was kind of a natural segue to, to then ask the question of, well, how can I incorporate this into, into my school and, uh, teach my students some of the things that I grew up with. Thank you, Dakibra. Yes, I just learned something new. Peace, everyone. My name is Dakibra Crow. I've also been teaching for 11 years. I was a career changer, so I worked in the federal government, and it just wasn't aligning with my passion. I felt like I wanted to do something to make more of a difference. So went through a resident teacher program, became a teacher, been teaching math and science, and right after COVID, that that experience, I kind of just made a had a conversation with my principal, like, hey, 
Um, I would love to teach mindfulness or do some more things around SEL if that happens and opens up. And it happened and opened up. So I've been teaching mindfulness um, at Turner Elementary in the Great Ward 8 for the past three years now. My journey was interesting because I've experienced just challenges when it comes to my personal health and facing burnout and just navigating being a Black woman in America. And I had a doctor one time tell me that, well, you know, sometimes stress can manifest physically. So when I got that information, that's when I kind of learned more about mindfulness and meditation and how stress and trauma impacts the brain and the body. And so I'm also a parent. I have daughters. So as they're navigating their lives, teaching them how to do things in the world as they navigate their own experience. And it really, mindfulness has changed my life. I really adopt the mindful moments lifestyle, as I call it. And um, it's just kind of like Parag was saying, kids are reacting to things. They don't have the language to express things. And I believe it's, as Frederick Douglass once said, right, it's easier to build children than it is to try to repair adults. So I choose to spend my energy and focus there. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Yeah, mindfulness has changed my life as well. I'm a big fan of it. And I'm still trying to figure out what mindfulness really is. I would really love to hear your definition of how you think about what mindfulness is. And particularly when you bring up social and emotional learnings, I think we hear that vocabulary more in schools. Like how, how do you see those two intersecting with one another? I guess I think when I think about mindfulness, I think of it as um, almost like a muscle, right? That you're, it's, it's, it's awareness, right? But it's awareness that is not just this temporary state, but it's the state that you can, by practicing certain exercises, you can actually have more moments of awareness throughout the day, right? And when I'm talking about awareness, I'm talking about awareness that is also non-judgmental, right? So like without all the different layers of like, oh, I'm terrible at this thing, or I knew I was really bad at math and I'm going into this math test and here I am struggling with this math problem. And of course I'm bad. Like I'm, oh, I've always been bad at math, like going down those spirals, right? Like, so seeing, seeing mindfulness as, as a muscle that can be kind of an awareness as this muscle that can be developed, but then also I think the beauty of, and what I, what I love so much about mindfulness and about meditation is that it's also about exploration too, right? Once you're able to non-judgmentally see how you are with different things, right? With different stimuli that are, that are happening in the world, like maybe a student just uh, cursed you out or so, right? How are you now going to respond? If you, if you have that awareness of the situation, then you can, you can start to notice like what, like those urges are right of like, maybe I'm all of a sudden starting to shut down to this student, or maybe now I'm seeing this student as, as like a, as a, like us versus them. Like I can't rely, I can't relate to this student anymore. Right. And so it's the, I, I see the beauty of it as, as really going beyond like the, maybe the knowledge of like, do this, do this, do this, but more so the, once you have that awareness, how can you then apply it to gain more insights into how you are navigating through the world? That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I like to think of like SEL as the umbrella, right? Um, and then mindfulness is kind of the practice underneath that we can use as to, like to help us achieve those SEL targets of you know responsible decision making, self awareness, and self management. And definitely, I think the self awareness is kind of the gateway, right? And it's just tapping in to how you're feeling, what you're feeling, 
I always say it's four ways, right? Mind, body, breath, and emotions. Checking in with those four things, being aware of those four things first so that you are able to respond instead of react. A lot of times we're in our feelings or in our heads overthinking, we're in our hearts feeling something or feeling a certain way. So mindfulness is just that ongoing practice of being present in the exact moment of whatever it is that's going on. So I always tell my students, right, like not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future, because that's where depression and anxiety can live, but really just thinking about what's going on in this moment right now so that one, we can be responsive, but then two, we can start to learn how to express and advocate for our needs to get us what we need. Thank you for sharing that. I I think it's always really interesting to talk about mindfulness because we have to start talking about nothing because it is, it's that spaciousness, right? It's that pause. It's that ability to be quiet that can hold all the, the, everything that's there. And I think especially in our, in our culture, just to, to do nothing is like an act of resistance sometimes. And to be in that nothingness space is powerful. And it's really hard. Like I always really, um, romanticize meditation until I start to do it. And then it's like me with my thoughts and just to say like how challenging and what a discipline it really is to like find that, that empty space within ourselves and that space where we can respond. Yeah. And I meditate pretty religiously. It's like, I I take 20 minutes every day to um, make that space to do it. And since I've started that practice, it's almost impossible for me to get through the day without making the space. And I, I also feel that it's like the place where that reflection comes from the stepping back comes from where the ideas that have been latent or in the back of my head somewhere, you know, can kind of come from, but Parag, you talked about that mindfulness, not being judgmental and being able to step back and be aware of your own reactions, um, your emotions, how you're seeing your students. I mean, our schools really are not set up to allow us the space to step back and reflect up to have those pauses. I'm, I'm curious both how you both think about like, how does this practice of mindfulness play into the kind of certain school environments that we're trying to create um, and create the kind of, you know, wellness that we want for our, ourselves as educators and also for our students. To keep her, you want to start? Yeah. So kind of what Gracie just touched on a little bit, right? It's, it's really an act of resistance um, because we know that it's necessary. We know it's important. We know that it has benefits. But again, it's always that issue of how do we find the time? How do we fit this in? Um, we know it's important, but how do we do it? And I really think it's, it's really just that, right? It's, it's that act of resistance, especially once you have a personal practice. And Scott, you were kind of saying that, right? You know, if you don't do those 20 minutes in the morning, that might set your day off. So knowing what it is that you need to do. And then the biggest thing when we're in front of students, as well as other adults, is just modeling it. So a lot of that is like, you know what, let me take this deep breath because I'm thinking something and I know it's not appropriate for me to say it right now. Or um, so I've done that tons of times. And then I have students like, Miss Crow, do you need to take a breath? (laughs) And then maybe it's like, let's do one together. Um, So really just modeling it, right? Knowing and being authentic with your active resistance. So whatever it is that you know that you need, making sure it happens. Again, whether that's in front of students, whether that's in a staff meeting. I was listening to something the other day and it was like, what if it was normal that if someone just took a deep sigh in the middle of a meeting, right? Because one practice is deep breaths or making maybe taking that lion's breath to release something and just normalize, beginning to normalize is those normalizing those practices, especially if it's a personal practice that you already have. So everybody in this building, right, they know I'm going to take that moment to pause. I'm going to do those things that I need to do for myself, even when nobody else is doing. I think it's really important to own that authenticity. 
It's so great as an educator when your students are the ones holding you accountable and they're yes. saying those things back to you and you know that they've started to internalize it. Yeah, I think that's the, the hardest bit, right? Because this in a school environment, there, there are so many uh, different things that are that are pulling at administrators, that are pulling at teachers, and and it's and it's going to look different in 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 each school, right? But I think part of it is also um, beginning to see mindfulness as, as something beyond. I, I think oftentimes mindfulness almost gets treated like a, a pill, right? That you take, like, hey, take this thing, and you're not going to be stressing more, or do this thing, and you're and and your worries are going to go away. But not really seeing it like that, but seeing it more as a tool for for empowerment, right? Because when you are able to to notice the patterns of how you are showing up in different areas of your life, and when you are able to start noticing your patterns of how you are reacting and responding to different things in your life, that's a tremendously empowering skill, right? Because then it's only if you're aware of it that you can make some sort of changes, right? That you can be like, hey, you know what? I'm reacting in this way consistently. And that's not how I want to be. Or when I react in that way, that actually makes me feel uh, worse and doesn't really maybe solve the, the initial thing that I'm, that I'm trying to react to in the first place or trying to get rid of in the first place. And so I think it's part of it is also a matter of like rethinking how we, how we even like talk about mindfulness. And also I think that, and, and this is, this is, I guess, a personal belief of mine too, um, I don't think we create as much space for students to have discomfort in in schools, right? And and so when I'm thinking about mindfulness and when I think about meditation, so much of that is is discomfort, right? Because you're sitting there, you're meditating, and uh, all these thoughts are coming up, and you're trying to practice that awareness of like noticing that a thought came up, and then having an anchor to come back to, right? So it could be the feeling of the breath, it could be a sound. It could be something that you're seeing, could be something that you're smelling, like one of your five senses, right? As an anchor that's able to, to bring you back whenever you notice that you've gone off on and, you're, and, you're, and your mind is wandering. And so, yeah, the, like, but a lot of the times the thoughts that may come up and the, and the habits of mind that may come up are not necessarily things that we may be proud of, right? And, and so then being able to even sit with some of that discomfort is is I, I don't know, like a, a part of it is, is also that like, this is a wonderful opportunity to, to learn how to be with challenging situations, right? And, and challenge, like being able to see like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm reacting to, to situations in this way, and it's really not helping me out. And to be all, also able to, I think one of the one of the powerful things about mindfulness, too, is that it allows us to, it kind of helps to fight back against this notion that oftentimes we have in society, where like, we label ourselves as, as like, I do this thing. And so I am a good person or I made this mistake. And so I'm this terrible person. Right. And I'm like racked with guilt. And I, and we start to see ourselves almost like boxed in this boxed in this definition of like, I am this terrible person because I cursed this person out once, or I, or I reacted in this way to someone. And I think mindfulness helps us to start to see how things are constantly changing. And it's almost like there's there's different times in which maybe if I didn't get enough sleep, then I'm going to be a lot more snippy, right? I start noticing those things, and it allows me to have some more space to to be.
being forgiving with myself as well, right? Because I'm able to see how things are constantly changing. Uh, but yeah, I like to answer your question. I think it's it's incredibly hard, but it's it also requires that sort of a re- reframing of of how we think about mindfulness and meditation. Yeah, and school is like such a place where where we start to label ourselves, right? And label ourselves and categorize ourselves and all those things that you said about identity. I mean, especially at a young age, but really throughout school, keep reshaping our own identity in our own minds and like having the space to step back from that through a mindfulness practice. And, you know, this is something I see in my own kids and things I saw also in my students that just like, if you have the tools to do this, it can help you routinely in life, but it's actually very hard to employ those tools in the moments where things are most tense, right? For you. But if it's a regular practice that you're, you're, you're doing by routine and you build in that time when you are doing it, then you have that moment every day or those moments throughout uh, each day when you're doing it by practice. So you're not you're not counting on yourself necessarily to use the tool when you were at that highest level of, right. Of, of stress becomes more of a practice. What you're saying too, about the self-awareness and being able to see through the stories, it's, it's like the hardest thing. And it's, it's like the absolute gold of life. I think that when we can see through a story and, and it is so painful sometimes to have to be like, oh man, that that thing that I have to let go of or that thing I have to see about myself. And it makes me think a lot, like I don't think we've worked in a school where they haven't talked about accountability, that staff members want to see more accountability from their, their other colleagues and what accountability means. But when you talk about that mindfulness and self-awareness, I really think that that is how accountability starts, is that it gets so easy to project those stories onto other people, but we have to be willing to take the feedback or look at what's going on with us. And when we can do that, especially if leaders in a school building are doing that, like I think the effect is massive. So with that, I, I want to bring to you all the challenge I feel about mindfulness and working in educator wellness is when we first started this work, I was like, this is great. We'll teach yoga. We'll teach meditation. It'll really help. And we have met a lot of resistance along the way. We've definitely met educators who love that work, who want more of it, who would see the value. But we've also met educators who push back on it very strongly. They don't want it in a staff meeting. They don't think it has a place. So how do you balance that when, when time is such a premium for things about how to bring this in and help staff culture with this? I know it's a big question because I we're trying to work with this. But I'm curious if you have any thoughts. There's no answer, really, but is people make time for what they want to make time for. So if it's important to you, if you are, if you really care, and then we kind of touched a little bit right on identity and with identity and labels comes our own implicit biases and all of those things. Right. But you make time for what you want to make time for. One thing I would always suggest if your school is doing morning announcements, everybody can do a mindful minute, 60 seconds. Everybody has 60 seconds and you can start there. I also think another thing that's really important, I know personally for me, I'm the person I want to know why. So if this is something I'm required to do, or if this is something that, you know, we're getting buy-in, you want everybody on board, I need to know why I'm doing it. I need to know the importance and the impact. Sometimes all of that information isn't always shared. And I think sometimes that can be where the resistance can can kind of come from. But yeah, it's hard to look at the mirror. I'm a music person. So as we're having this conversation, Michael Jackson, man in the mirror is in my head. It's hard to do that. It's hard to accept feedback and not take it as criticism, right? Um, Depending on where we are in our journey. So I would always say, stop. If if you do morning announcements, we're still saying the Pledge of Allegiance, we can do 30 seconds of some breathing or 30 seconds of some affirmations and put that together. I would, that's always my entry point. I think that it needs to be an organic kind of approach, right? 
if it's if it's this top-down thing of like, hey, this is even though there's a lot of research behind it, it's like if the if the teachers themselves who are teaching it, let's say, are not like I've worked in schools before where where they may try to do like mindfulness across the like in every single classroom, right? And if the teacher does not have a background in it, then what ends up happening is that it's kind of it's 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 not done well, right? Because the the teacher themselves doesn't doesn't really have any like they they, they don't it hasn't impacted their lives in any way, right? And so I think that I mean when I think about in my school, one of the things that we do is we have these PD tracks that are that are run by teachers. And so one of the PD tracks that I oftentimes offer usually at least once a year is, is on meditation and mindfulness. Right. And so in those PD tracks, like we'll talk like during the, during the period itself, we'll, we'll talk about like some of the common misconceptions about mindfulness, like some basic instructions, we'll give them resources so that like the, the goal will be uh, doing five minutes a day right over a long period of time like over the three or four weeks that we have the pd track there'll also be like certain readings that they're doing for each before each class and then creating space for for that conversation right and so then in that way they're walking away from the pd track with at least a little bit of an understanding of what meditation is or what mindfulness is right beyond maybe just the buzzwords and like then kind of helping it grow organically from there, right? Because if someone starts practicing it in their own lives and they start finding it to have benefits, then naturally they're going to talk to their friends about it. Naturally, they're going to talk to other teachers about it. And I think that's where, that's when you start to see like that, that cultural shift occurring. But I don't like, I, I don't think that it can be like that sort of a, I haven't seen it done effectively at least as a top-down thing. First, Prague, I love the uh, plug for teacher and staff-led professional development because it's so important for for in so many ways. And I feel like a big part of this kind of taking hold with people, like anything, is like Dakibra said, you this can't just be, you know, top-down. It has to be organic. But also, people have to see someone, know someone who does this, and it's successful for them, and it's a practice that actually works, and be able to relate to that person and say, you know, I see this working. I think this is something I really need for myself. And so that way of sharing between peers, I think, is is really really important. But I do think there's kind of a space that has to be made for it if this is a practice that happens during school time or in a school building. And I'm curious from the t- two of you, like it, what, what do school leaders need to know about mindfulness as it relates to the kind of culture, right. That we need to create in a school building, either for students or for staff, really. Like we definitely want to know, like what, what is it like for staff to be able to practice mindfulness? What, what are our school leaders need to know? What do they need to believe so that this is possible in a school environment? I think the first thing that comes to my mind is like the respect for the, for the, like that this is something that, that you can very much so go, go deep with, right? Like you can create a whole semester long class around this, right? And there are many resources for, for doing so. And like I've taught at a class for, I've taught at a previous school, for example, where I wanted to implement some meditation mindfulness and they were all on board for it, but it was, this would have been a class that I would have been teaching in addition to all my preps that I had, right? So like during my planning period or so, right? So it wasn't being prioritized in that way, 
right? Or the other option that they gave me was to run it as a club, right? Which again, it's not it's not creating the the sort of space to go deep because if it's a club, then sometimes students will show up, sometimes they won't, right? So while there wasn't any there weren't any barriers to me teaching teaching the class, it was significantly like because they weren't helping me to to actually teach the class and create the space to teach the class, it meant that I like the class didn't get taught. Like it was a club that was not very successful. Whereas in this last in the school that I'm at presently, when I when I offered the idea, they they really they they really wanted to run with it in especially the middle school. And what they did was they retooled the entire middle school schedule so that there would be once a week this this period called X period where it was just general like social emotional kind of skills right and so one of the classes was my, uh, meditation and mindfulness and then there were various other classes that were all also offered right like youth empowerment seminar and things like that and so by creating the actual time in the schedule by making it a, a class that that was a respected class right that was something that that like actually like the the school was showing that this is something that is important right it created the space to for it to be a successful thing right it's since shifted to the to the high school where it is a a regular class that would meet uh, every day during the semester yeah definitely and to add on to that i would definitely say one right realize where you are and two recognize what you need and where you're trying to go because it's really important to also take into consideration the culture and the demographics in your building, that's going to be number one. That's how you can determine really what the community needs and what your school community needs, because that's going to vary depending on where you are. And two, you have to really be able to align whatever your school values are. A lot of our school values have those things. We want high expectations or we want teamwork or those types of things. And Underneath that is also coming up with that that shared language around what is mindfulness and what does that look like for us? Because it can mean so many different things. We just talked about that throughout this whole conversation. It can mean so many different things, but naming what we need and where we are and where we're trying to go and figuring out that way to put that there. And that first step is still, again, I'm coming back to it, right, y'all? It's just, you got to look in the mirror. As a, as a school leader, you have to name, is what are I'm, what am I saying these values are? In the summertime, we think about these, they, you know, those things are thought about. We're rolling out what our top priorities are. We want to reach this level in math. We want to reach this level here. We also need SEL, SEL, SEL goals. I don't know why I'm sometimes saying that. Yeah. Right. But we, we also need those things. And that's just honestly the reality. And one of the things I tend to be a risk taker, I'm always going to be pushing those buttons because certain things are just necessity. And so for me, it's like we have to stop acting like COVID just happened. 20 years ago, we are still feeling the impact of that. Our scholars, it's been going around a lot, right? That, you know, scholars are behind grade levels and things like that. That's not just because of COVID. That's been happening for a while. So really just, you got to be authentic, like Parag was saying. You can't force people to do things that is not their personal practice because it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to stick. But on the same token, whatever your values are, if, if this is the goal, we want kids to be this and we want our staff members and our teachers to come in and feel and support it, what can we do to provide that? And we have to provide these spaces. To keep right here, you mentioning those metrics, like these are the things that we judge our schools by. And it's like the the things about high expectations and our the, the tests that we're judged by and the focus on academics. 
And implicit in that, right, is that we we do not focus as much on the social emotional, even if we talk about it and it's in our talking points and it's in our language these days and it wasn't in our language before. That doesn't mean we are prioritizing it in the same way. And I, I love that you are pushing in your school environment, I know both of you, to make these kinds of things more of a priority. But it is up against a system that likes to talk about these things, but not do them in reality and certainly not prioritize them. And and that's a kind of inverse relationship that has to get flipped, right? Because like to prioritize academic goals that can't be met until human needs are met instead of prioritizing the human needs that have to be met in order for the academic goals to be met is the wrong order of operations, right? But that is not how our system and a lot of the reform movements in education have thought about it. And so that is a mountain to climb, right? To uh, have importance behind mindfulness and social emotional learning that you all are doing the work in your schools to make happen. And there also has to be a larger systemic shift in attitudes around that. Yeah, I can't tell you the number of times that we just hear like mindfulness, like batted around to school. But what I really am taking away from this conversation is just like how much commitment needs to be there, but that you can build it if you have, if you create the space for it and the commitment that you really see the value in it. So we love big thinkers and we love to give space for big thinking on the show. So for our last question, if if you could wave a magic wand and really think about how you could redesign the school system to build mindfulness and into it or how you would build mindfulness into the school system, what would be that big vision? I, I feel like I would just send send as many admin or teachers on a five-day silent meditation retreat as I could because I, I think that it. experience in and of itself, that like that, if you go through that experience, I mean, I, I tell people all the time that was the, it was the hardest experience that I've ever gone through, like five days and you're, you're, doing like minimal talking and like, there's no places to run. Right. I think that was the biggest thing, right? You, you don't have your phone to run away. You don't have uh, Netflix to run away to all of the habits of mind that, that like I had built over the years that may have been useful, may have not been useful, especially the ugly ones were right there standing in front of me and I had to deal with them. Right. And going through that was one of the most insightful things that I've ever done. And helped me to really understand the power of the practice. And if you have that, then you'll, and you have that understanding, then it'll always be in the back of your mind and you'll find a way to, to build it into the school. Right. But until you have that experience, then it's just something that it is. It's like a cute thing that that's like, yeah, we should be doing that. Yeah. It's a nice thing to do. But the, I'd say the leaders or the teachers, as many people as possible, need to have that sort of experience of sitting with the really uncomfortable stuff in order to, to really understand the power and of the practice itself. That was really good. I'm thinking kind of a little bit on a smaller scale, but I definitely would, I think my experience has been because I teach mindfulness as, a, as an elective in the, at the elementary level. So I would love to see all DCPS schools, including charter schools, have an elective that is for mindfulness. I will also love to see different community events. Like when we have parent-teacher conferences and things like that, again, we're always talking about academics, but hey, I noticed little Johnny was reacting when somebody got in front of him in line and we took a breath and it was it worked great for him. Could you try those things at home? And really just building back up that community of school and home and that we're doing the same things in the same places. And it's specifically when it comes to staff, I'm going to tag in with what Parag said. Yes, five-day meditation retreat for everybody. 
Amazing. Yeah. It, it, it would be a different world if we could all just do that five day meditation retreat. I, yeah, the, I did one, it was 10 days and I definitely dealt with a lot of stuff that I didn't want to deal with and emerged a, a better person. I really feel this way about self-awareness. It's very hard to gain, but you don't lose it once you gain it. Like Prague said, it's like in the back of your mind and you can keep falling back on it. This has been a really insightful conversation. I'm really, I feel like my cup has been filled to think about mindfulness in, in deeper ways. And I'm, I really am sure that people out there are inspired as well. So I, I very much appreciate you, Prague, and to keep off for taking the time and for really doing the work to, to care for yourself and your mindfulness and then to spread that to the children and the family around you so thank you so much thank you yeah thank you for having us great conversation good talking to you guys all right bye everybody peace hi everyone it's gracie again i wanted to follow up this episode by sharing an exciting update since recording empower ed has formed a partnership with the david lynch foundation yes that david lynch from twin peaks an international organization that teaches Transcendental Meditation, or TM, to first responders, veterans, and anyone who is on the front line of difficult situations. When I approached the foundation about providing TM training to DC educators as a way to help them with their primary and vicarious trauma, they said an enthusiastic yes. Since then, I've undergone their TM practitioner training and was really surprised by how simple and helpful the technique is. I noticed that throughout this episode that we recorded, I kept saying how difficult mindfulness practice is. And while I still think it's pretty hard, I'm excited to say that I'm finding this form of meditation to be an easier fit for this busy stage of life I'm in. All this to say is that if you're a DC educator or work in education and are interested in becoming certified in TM at no cost, please reach out to wellness at weareempowered.org we're going to start organizing DC educator meditation trainings in the new year. And I'd love to answer your questions about joining one. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please pass it along to another educator wellness advocate and rate us five stars so others can discover our podcast. We also hope you stay in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, ideas, and recommendations for future podcast guests and themes. Just email us at wellness at we are empower ed that just looks like we are empowered.org you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and tiktok with the same handle as empower ed dc or visit us at we are empowered.org thanks again we are all part of this educator wellness revolution and we really appreciate your time and energy